On this week's episode, we take a bite out of Sausage Party. How do you method act playing a bagel? Did Pixar miss an opportunity here? And if corn starts the song every morning, why didn't corn play the corn? Find out now. You're listening to 24 Flames Per Second. And welcome to 24 Flames Per Second, the podcast that roasts the films we love the most. And as always, I'm your host, Robert Bohorkas, everybody. And welcome to the uh, the end of our shopping spree uh, trip through the food aisles of you know every which way. And, uh, you know, what better way to do it than end it in a grocery store, for the most part. Um, and so, yeah, everybody, this is the last of our kind of our, our series we've been doing over the past few weeks. It's all food movies. Um and we're ending it by covering every kind of food. Um, and today we're talking about Sausage Party. It was the, uh, the you know, the Seth Rogen and fam kind of follow-up to This is the End. Um, and, and it's animated. And so, yeah, everybody, we're uh, looking forward. we got a good panel here to talk about it. Um, and let's see. We're into uh, it's Happy June. Welcome to June. Um, I think according to the timelines, everyone has the facility to have been vaccinated fully by now. So if that's you, congratulations, we made it. And if it's not you, what the hell are you waiting for? Go get shot um, with a vaccine, not a gun. Um, Just to clarify, but yes, I'm not, I don't wish death upon you. Just please get a vaccination. Um, It, I would don't need to keep talking about this, <laughs> but um, but yeah, everybody, um, we'll uh, we've got a new drink along coming to the Patreon um, shortly, um, and so yeah, we're also you know we're in the last month here, and the next few weeks are kind of celebration of you know we're at the end of season four, um, and so we got a lot of fun stuff uh, coming up. We'll talk about it more at the end of the show, um, but uh, yeah, everybody, welcome. Let's talk about some sausage party, um, and we will start with the Brenda to my Barry, Chris Pepper Hambrick. Hey, thanks for that. Hello. Appreciate it. How's it going? You're the hot dog bun. Um, And I'm the small Michael Sarah hot dog, um, I guess. But uh, but yeah, welcome. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks. How are you? I'm doing fine. It's, uh, yeah, I'm good. Good. Excited to excited to get the show the train rolling. Um, let's see. Did you watch the movie this week? I did. I watched it last night for the first time. It did did not uh, attract my little ping on my radar when it came out. Mm. So yeah. Um, well, what do you know about it? Uh, well, it was uh, released in 2016, um, directed by Conrad Vernon and Greg Tiernan, um, and it was written by Kyle Hunter, Ariel Schaff. Shafir, Seth Rogen, and Evan Goldberg. Um, And it was the first 3D animated film to be rated R by the Motion Pictures Association of America. So that little bit of trivia. Um, And uh, as of right now, it still holds an 82% fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Is that right? Yeah. Interesting. We will, uh, I think, talk more about that. Yeah, we will. but uh well yeah well thank you yeah that's i didn't know that it was the fr- i'm surprised that it took that long for a 
rated R animated movie to get through. Um, I would have expected maybe there's like an anime or something that. Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's probably things that the MPAA would not have touched. So I'm like, if oh. we're talking about like, you know, they're not out there rating like whatever you're watching on, you know, hentai dot whatever. Um, <laughs> okay. So <laughs> like this, the, a commercially released film of the sort that the MPAA would be concerned with. Yeah. No, I mean, I was even thinking of something like you're like a, like an Akira that has right. some pretty graphic, well, like violence. I, I will it. say that it says first 3d animated film. There's, Oh yeah. So okay. that's, it is, it is, it is a bit of a, a paring down of a, of a category to get that rate, that okay. uh, distinction. Never mind. I stand corrected. Okay. So yeah, CG kept it PG up until this point. That's right. Um, Great, good. Um, well, well, thanks so much for that stuff. Let's uh, let's introduce the panels, um, and we'll start with the roasters, uh, as always. Um, and so, yeah, first up, we've got um, co-producer Seattle's the Moth and a storyteller. You can find her on Twitter, Casey Rom. Casey Rom. Hello. Hello. How's it going? Um, it's good. I my dog is just going insane right now, and I cannot... immediately jumped on your face. <laughs> I cannot figure out what her deal is. Maybe she needs this movie as much as I. Interesting. Very good. Um, and also roasting this week is me. I couldn't let this one go by without saying something about it. Um, and so, yeah, I am your I'm your other roaster this week, everybody. Um, and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, and then on the defense, we've got actor and dungeon master to the stars. You can find his show, Save the D8, wherever you listen to podcasts and on social media at Save the D8 Pod. Evan Christopher. Hi, Robert. How are you today? Hi, how's it going? Oh, that's going okay. I'm a yeah. little deflated at the moment. Just okay. Yeah, you know, obvious conflict of interest is going to go on in this episode and having to compete against the host with their own backup for it. I mean, hey, listen, no, little, nobody's backing me uh, up. I'm here. I'm not. I, the authority of the hosting ship, as soon as we get past opening statements, goes over to Chris. Fair enough. Then I'm ready to kick your ass like I did on the villainous pod. That is debatably what happened but it's exactly what happened and it's what's the scores were nice. very close i don't want to talk about that luckily um, we're not scoring this so yeah it's gonna it's gonna be okay <laughs> um anyways evan it's great to have you here good to see you. always glad to be here thank you for having me um and so yeah let's uh you know let's go let's start moving a minute give us the full plot synopsis of sausage party spoilers and all and we'll give you 60 seconds and a three count are you ready yep very good. Well, here we go. In three, two, one, go. In this movie, we find out that food is alive and sentient and has their own culture and lifestyle. They all believe in a great beyond of once they're being picked and sent out of the supermarket that they go to go to heaven. Um, eventually, we find out that this is a lie, and there is a major accident that happens when our main characters, Frank and Brenda, and their friends end up getting uh, collided in a crash and they end up having to find go back to their aisle during this time they find out that the great beyond is actually fake getting almost killed by a, a massive douche literal douche um making way all the way to the end to then go off to fight all of the humans who they deemed as gods now to be monsters um saving themselves and then eventually taking over the store and saving themselves from all being killed okay i think that counts and we'll count we'll call it at uh 42 ish seconds um oh that was nice Great job. Um, yeah. Um, let's see. What would I clarify? Um, the, the heaven is uh, called the Great Beyond. 
Yep. Um, Sing a song about it every morning. Yes. Um, led by corn. Um, <laughs> and let's see. Um, I think that's pretty much it. Yeah. There's some specifics of which aisles plot points happen in, but who cares? Um, we'll get, we'll get into some talking about that. I think after the break, um, but yeah, great job. Um, that's moving in a minute, everybody. Um, and so we're gonna take a we'll take a little break. When we come back, we'll, Evan will get your opening statements and why you're here defending Sausage Party. Mm-hmm. Uh, so everybody, we will be right back. And we're back, everybody. Welcome back to 24 Flames Per Seconds. Uh, I almost did the whole intro again. Uh, we're talking about Sausage Party. Um, just before the break, Evan uh, made it, uh, did the bath salts, and didn't die. That's there. He succeeded. That's a yep. success story. Um, and so, <laughs> yeah, we'll um, go ahead um, with your opening statements. Um, so, yeah, tell us why you're here defending Sausage Party. Well, um, as stated before, yeah, this is a movie that has an 80% fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes, whether um, you take that as a part of value in yourself. Uh, this movie, I think, is um, a very good uh, dark comedy that goes into certain subjects that people tend to shy away from and tries to bring some humor and light into that while giving somewhat of an open eye. may not be for exactly everybody that I'll have to state because of its dark humor, uh, but comedy is subjective. And so within this entire movie, we can see that there is a subplot as well as getting the same understanding within most of these cartoon worlds, which are usually everything is happy and utopian-like, where we get to see something where we all kind of have in the back of our minds whenever we watch these 3D animated movies of like, is that what it would really be like if I was a car in this world or if I was a toy? Maybe there would be some more adult-like themes for this. I mean, this movie is obviously not for kids. It is an adult-themed movie, which did make it the number one adult uh, animated film for uh, for the last several years until just recently uh, usurped by an anime movie. Uh, I think it's like Demon Hunter or something like that, Mugen Train. Mm. Um, so uh, for the last several years, it was the number one adult uh, animated film, outbeating South Park by several wow. million dollars. Wow. Um, well, very good. Uh, Casey, if you would like to go for it, I think starting, we could start with the plot um, as just kind of the square one. Yeah, I think this movie starts with a plot that sort of makes sense. You know, they're, they think that, you know, being bought takes them to some kind of Shangri-La. They find out that actually they get brutally murdered by being eaten and then they try to seek the truth slash survive that all is fine but as the plot goes on it just gets stupider and stupider there's now like it's not just food but like there's a douche involved and there's you know all these racist stereotype other characters and then by the end we get just a completely absurd fourth wall breaking portal ending it's like it's trying to be a stoner comedy but it's really just not funny and i think it undervalues like how stoners enjoy movies that kind of take turns or you know kind of take on these philosophical questions and it just doesn't actually do that so it feels like it's just talking down to its audience 
Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, and I would also, I'm going to go before you because I got thoughts about this too. <laughs> um, it, just talking about, you know, you mentioned the douche is sentient, but there's lots of other, like the rules, the movie doesn't follow its own rules. Like there's a whole kitchenware's aisle that Frank goes down with cookbook and knives and other kitchen stuff. None of them are alive, but there's a used condom outside that's alive. So like none of this, it doesn't make any sense. Like why? Why is the douche alive at all? You don't eat a douche. <laughs> I hope not. Hmm. Okay, uh, my turn. <laughs> yes, please go, please. Okay. Um. A small, small point before I get into my main point. Uh, Casey, you brought it up as being a stoner comedy. When you watched this, did you watch it high? Yeah, the first time. Okay, and how did you, and you didn't enjoy it the first time when you were high? No, I had like a quizzical look on my face practically the entire time, and then as soon as <laughs> I got to fire water, I was just like, oh no, I see where this is going, and it gotcha. completely turned me off to it. I can't believe I finished it. Like, I mm. really can't believe I finished this movie. Gotcha. Well, uh, I would say that maybe you were in in... Your um, representation for comedy, and for you, on how you deem comedy for your value, um, I can understand you being turned off and being like, I don't want to really follow this movie anymore, and understanding the plot. Whereas for me, watching this movie and paying attention to the themes that they have within the dark themes, I mean, the movie in itself, if you watch it, you can tell that it is a much darker film, not just thematically within its story, but actually even. And it's the way that it looks because we know that it's a dark comedy. If you look at it compared to like any Pixar film where it's all super bright, there's a lot of dark blacks and grays all over this movie where stuff is hidden and to scare you. This movie is really having to deal with mostly um, humanizing um, endeavors of the two main things I think usually for humans are one afterlife for where you go afterwards and two the basic need of just needing to reproduce and having sex more for having fun than this actually reproducing. I see you shaking your head, Robert, but okay, go ahead. No, I'm agree with what you just said. The, yeah. There's food having sex in this, which we'll get that. We'll get to that too, but right. But that's what I'm saying of like, this is the humanizing point of something to become relatable to these characters, right? Of the, of two things that we all of us as humans agree on of like somewhat of an afterlife beforehand and of wanting to reproduce and we can see that even within this that there are religious aspects of it of the two main characters who obviously are in love who want to have said sexual relations but are uncomfortable doing that because they have to wait to the great beyond because of the said song of needing to go to this great beyond before doing that and then feeling that just because they had some kind of intimate touch that suddenly they have caused all of these problems upon themselves even causing themselves to split at one point when they had find out that the whole thing had become a charade because of, at the real point they was just in all the song and everything was made up just because the uh imperishables which is fire water grits and twink had made up to not have to watch pe- uh the food itself go um crying and screaming out of the store but instead this made up world so that way everybody was somewhat getting along and then over time watched as the food themselves started putting their own lyrics into everything where everywhere originally it was like everybody is one now it's it's got split up where you can see that um which they had brought up and the same thing of religion of how everything just kind of gets shattered into microcosms of the religion of the basis of what it gets itself set up and within that you can see that there is constantly several points 
where the this um, sexual turmoil gets pushed between the two of you have uh, the taco who has obviously intimate feelings for Brenda, right? Um, two female representing characters, but cannot because of the way that they have the song that's set up because there's only certain foods that go together. At the same point, you then can see that later on when they get into said food scene that they kind of decide to break all the rules because they have decided to go against everything that they know of. They have found out that the, the whole thing has become a lie and that they have gone and um, said, screw this, we have gone evolved past this rights and now we are going to focus on the things that make us happy rather than just following a song and believing that some happiness will come towards the end. Yeah, I mean, the, the main problem, I don't mind that they're endeavoring to make the movie about something beyond just talking food, right? Like, I mean, that's what we love about like Pixar movies and like, like Toy Story, for example, or, or, Mm -hmm. you know, there's people that like some of the Cars movies. Um, And so like, I don't have a problem with that. What I have a problem with is that it's clearly not like fully thought through. And then it just throws its own endeavor away at the end of the third act where it's just like, well, if everybody just fucked, maybe all the world's problems will go away. And then, and then they're like, oh, and also none of this is real. We're a computer animated movie, which feels, which is even more, which is even further out of left field. And it just makes you go, why are we doing this? (laughs) Which like, I mean, I understand the point of like, oh, you know, different comedy isn't for everybody or what have you. This is dark comedy. Um, But I mean, I don't want to speak for Casey. Casey, I'm sure there's dark comedies that you like. Um, Yeah, there's tons of dark comedies that I like. There's tons of stoner comedies that I like. There's tons of Seth Rogen and crew movies that I like. This, This one just like doesn't stick the landing. It doesn't really stick the jump. Like it doesn't, it just doesn't work from beginning to end. There's nothing to grab me. Oh well, I I can completely understand that for you that it, it can't it's not exactly the one that would grab you. However, I could say that this particular type of comedy is something that is pretty popular within today's culture. You could look at say there's an entire channel or um, ending uh, on one particular channel that is completely devoted to this particular type of comedy, um, Adult Swim. This particular comedy you can see all over the place with like say Model Apocalypse. Um, Aqua Teen Hunger Force, uh, Squidbillies. There's all those. There have all that very type of very gross-out humor, um, except uh, using very terrible puns. Um, that all have shown to be an extremely popular sense for that. So I think for those that do enjoy that particular type of comedy, that this is a movie that they would particularly enjoy. I I I think I think you're making a little bit of a false equivalency because. Because, like, yeah, there's these other shows that that muck around in the same, I guess, style of, uh, I don't know, call it pun-based or just, like, you know, cute one-to-one comparison writing. Um, But, like, most of this this movie is, like, an extended, like, 
joke about racial stereotypes. Like, I don't think I, th- I think we, I don't want to dance around that anymore. Is that like, yeah, you know, yeah. all the all the German foods are Nazis. The juice is a Jew pun. Like um, we got main characters. We've got the Lavash and the bagel or Israeli Palestinian conflict characters. And, you know, it's it's made. Um, I think it's around the end when Frank is getting on the TV um, that, you know, the hot, the hot dog and the bun are the white people and everything they say is what everyone should follow. And The freaks um, are gay and the one taco is both a Mexican is, stereotype is and a lesbian. Like. Hypersexualized. And I mean, and then we've got fucking Bill Hader is this fire water, you know, Native American whiskey bottle and like a drunk tequila which I did not appreciate. Um, and and then what else do we see? I don't know. I, I could go on and on because every food that we see is uh, is that, is a racial, like for the most well, part, racial like stereotype. The whole I mean, the Stephen, Twinkie is a little gay Twinkie. And, the, you the know. The whole Stephen Hawking thing, which, why? I don't understand that either <laughs> at all. <laughs> so it's like, it seemed like there was some amount of creative thought put in some places but like just some very lazy and disgusting like we can mask these racist jokes because it's food like when they ride the horseradish that's a good food pun that's like yes horseradish are horses taco is a meatloaf the meatloaf joke the meatloaf joke was good yes (laughs) <laughs> the ones that lead into just like racial stereotypes it's like that's not a good joke and this movie is not that old like we talk a lot on this podcast about movies not aging well this movie is only five years old they knew yeah they knew they know better. they know better <laughs> yeah, I, wanted to, I wanted to ask you guys um so yeah i was watching this last night and thinking oh my god this is only 2016 and it already feels um like out of out of step with um our current cultural mores um do you do you think they knew better or like has has how we feel about casting changed i mean i mean bojack horseman's also pretty um recent and they've apologized for um for some of the casting in that uh, like yeah. like uh what's her um Alice, Brie, Alice yeah, and Brie. And she's one of my favorite actors, and she's great on the show. But yeah. very reasonably, they said, "Yeah, we made a mistake when we cast her." Um, and that is also within like recent memory. So, I guess I, I was curious about what you guys thought about: is this just sort of a relic of the time, and times are changing quickly, or um, or is this is this something else? I think that times didn't change quickly enough because it seems like we thought. We being the collective we, because I never thought this was okay. But for some reason, that voice acting didn't have to follow the same right. rules as a- mm-hmm. regular acting. And, like, we're seeing it right now. They just dubbed over Laverne Cox with male actors in foreign languages for Promising Young Woman. And it's, like, a really Whoa. big scandal. And it's, like, this just fucking happened. Like, we're still doing this. And it's, like, the, the big mouth controversy. They recast the character... Mm-hmm. But it was a very similar thing to the BoJack Horseman casting decisions. And it's just like, why do we think it's okay to cast people who use shitty accents? Like, didn't we all watch The Problem with the Pooh? Like, it, it, move on. We've, we've, done, we've been there. We've done that. And The Problem with the Pooh definitely came out before this movie. That's what I was just going to look up was how, I mean, I'm sure it wasn't 
and that, that was like 2013 or something. That was a year. I'm yeah. sure this movie had not begun being developed yet. Oh, no, we're wrong. It came out the year after. So okay, well. Stand corrected. People, the but, blue controversy existed before the, the documentary. Yeah. It's like people, people have known for a long time that it's not only is it not okay, but it reinforces the stereotype even further to yeah. have white actors like doing some kind of, you know, accent that they don't actually know how to do. Well, and, and also just regardless of, um, of that, of that casting, you know, portraying the stereotypes like further ingrains them into pop, into, you know, pop culture. I mean, that's media, media portrayals. Like, um, I, I feel the most equipped to talk about the the you know the only setting in which we see the Mexican foods is inside of a bar and like and like Mexicans being lazy and sex crazed alcoholics is a historically like racially charged portrayal of Mexican Latin American um, characters. Well, and they didn't even like make a commentary on it. They were just like, "Here's the joke." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's the whole joke. Yeah, and I should. I feel like we we went past it really quickly, but um, and we were talking about this before the show. But the like, obviously, Israeli Palestinian conflict is very in the news when we're recording this. Um, and I don't think any of us is equipped to like totally have educated opinions on that. So I mean, we'll keep our criticism to the characters, the lavash and the bagel. So yeah, just making yeah. that known for everybody. <clears throat> well. This this movie certainly didn't give me any more education on the subject. <laughs> <laughs> um, Evan, thoughts? <laughs> um, yes, I cannot deny that the racial stereotypes are extremely outdated, especially during the times that we are in. And to answer uh, Chris's question, um, yes, I do think that um, over the change of time that we have had recently um, since this as well. We have not just seen only for voice actors, but just for acting in general, for the sense of bringing down a lot of whitewashing of the roles, um, as well as trying to promote more people of color to be elevated um, within the acting community uh, for that. Because honestly, I've always been one of that it should be based off of skill, not off whatever the writer wrote as the look, I think skill always takes more advantage than for that. If, 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 a, if a woman can play a role better than the man can for what's written, I say go for it. Why? It doesn't matter. But for this, I think that particularly there are some things that they were trying to get across that probably I think they stumbled on the line of some of them of trying to poke fun and um, bringing up the point of several food manufacturers that we know have had um, uh, racial stereotyping with on their food. Um, mm. that they had done and which I think they were really leaning heavy into. Um, I think at their point of them kind of being like their safe zone was the, the, the Nazi German food, which doesn't really help out too much. They <laughs> thought that that would be their kind of like saving grace. But during these times, it, it, it just doesn't it just doesn't work anymore. Um, for coming from I mean, voice putting, cast- putting Nazis in a movie in all in general at all is a little like. <laughs> That's going to be your saving grace. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's always uh, it's always been kind of a, what is it like a, a cheap one trick pony for me of like your main bad guy is going to be a Nazi. Yeah, of course sure. everybody hates Nazis. 
Well, now uh, they're Russian, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> bad guys are Russian in like all recent movies. No, no, no. That's that's back in the nineties. We're well, it's, no, it's, okay. no, they came back. They came back around. That's it's popular again. <laughs> yeah. Look, uh, look. If you look, if you look, uh, I don't have the time to go into villains for this. You can go into the to the extended cast and we can talk about villains, <laughs> right? Because I got a whole thing on that that I've studied for action movies, especially. But. Yeah. Um, I mean, when it comes to voice acting, I think that for voice acting, there are several major players of people of color that constantly, um, they're not in this movie, but do play roles that are not just of their color, such as like James Avery or Kevin Michael Richardson, uh, LeVar Burton, uh, Amy York, um, uh, Pamela de, de, uh, de Falecia, right? Mm-hmm. They all constantly play um People that are white, black, um, Indian, um, Asian descent, like they they will they will play those roles because once again it goes. I think for voice acting, a lot of times it does go off of the sense of power of voice that you have. This movie is not made specifically for voice actors per se. This one, I think, is just Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg were saying, "Hey guys, um, all our friends, we got this movie." Can you please be in it? All our famous friends, which they do with a lot of their movies. They get a lot of their famous friends to come and play parts and doing their cameo bits. So I think that that's more of the casting that went along this than anything else. Well, and I mean, I think that that is a, I mean, that's just a restrictive, like that can't be the way it works anymore. You know what I mean? Like, well, we, right. Like, I, open I mean, it it's up the same cast people that fit these, that actually, that actually do fit the roles. Like, I don't know how much more happy I would have been if the drunk tequila bottle was still played by like Antonio Banderas, but like, right. you know, it's still a shitty Mexican stereotype. <laughs> Right. Well, yeah, and you so could that's... just if if you want to bring all your white friends to do a, a movie with you, then don't cast them as racial stereotype foods. Just cast them yeah, as yeah. foods that have white voices. <laughs> like I. <laughs> right, I, but again, I, I don't feel like there's a way to defend this, and I'm sorry, but like I just don't. <laughs> I just, I don't feel like there's no other option, or that Bill Hader was the best choice to play Firewater. Like I don't believe that. And I also don't believe that they couldn't have just not named a character fucking Firewater and gave them <laughs> a shitty indigenous accent. Like, Right. And, but I mean, like, you know, for this particular podcast, it is my job to try to have to defend it. He's right. You're defending I, it. Yeah. I'm trying to say is, is that, yes, you're not. I'm not saying what you're saying is wrong. What I'm trying to say is, is that they were obviously trying to make a step towards noticing like, Land of Lakes Butter or Aunt Jemima, like we can see that there are racial stereotypes that have been on food packaging for years, constantly, Mm -hmm. right? And so I think at this point that they were trying to use that as something of the sense of of using the jokes and trying to say, hey, there's a lot of this kind of racial stereotyping going along for that. Now they had a misstep with that, especially with having the casting, like you said before. I think during that time, that was not something to be really thought of because we had just we hadn't really even gotten into the point of really trying to push up um, people of color for for these roles like we have now. I think this has been a more recent thing in the last four years, five years. But mm-hmm. um, this is more of a thing of hey guys, like they've just been bringing their friends together and making this movie because it's that's mainly a Seth Rogen Evan Goldberg joint of just doing that kind of like the same way of. Um, 
Happy Madison pictures where you have Adam Sandler and all of his friends get together. They go to Hawaii for fucking two months and then make a movie and come back. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's but about like, it. you have your, this is the ends and, and that's a great movie. And then you have your sausage parties, which is more like a grown ups. Like they're not all going to be hits. If that is the way that you're going into the movie is like, I want to go to Hawaii and make a movie with my friends then they're not all going to be good. And this one is not good. Um, I think hot hot can... take, Grown Ups is better than this movie. Um, <laughs> <anyways>. <laughs> I think there's a lot we can say about representation and all of that um, that we probably aren't going to solve tonight. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I know that you folks were talking earlier about just sort of the style of the film. Um, so to move away from racial stereotyping, um, if you could go into like the animation style, um, kind of how the film looks and feels, um, because that is another measure of, of quality and enjoyment. Yeah, no, I would love to talk about that. Um, I think it's, um, I've, I have one last thing to say before we, before we okay. do, and it's just that, you know, missed opportunity. If corn is going to be the thing starting the singing in the movie, put the make it be the band corn right and, right like missed opportunity <laughs> anyways um but uh yeah so in terms of the animation um it's seems purposely ugly and i hate it um every <laughs> single every single human is horrible to look at um which like the the food i think generally um i guess the douche isn't a food, but the douche becomes disgusting and horrible to look at also. But generally, I think the food all looks fine. But the humans are, like, just bulbous and gross, and the proportions are are off. And I guess, like, I just don't understand, like, why, why that choice was made. Or, like, I don't know. Like, it, I don't think it doesn't play into the, like, the... Um, narrative of like these are in quotes gods and they are gonna take us to the great beyond or whatever but like it just is gross to watch because everything they look gross yeah well well okay so uh this was the uh made by a studio called nitrogen studios canada right and this is <laughs> probably one of their biggest pictures that they had ever done um, at this time. Uh, before that, they had done Happily Never After. Uh, and mm. uh, after this movie, they went on to go and make The Addams Family. I can see the DNA there. Yeah, because, and they also yeah. will be making The Addams Family too, as well. Uh, okay. So with this one, uh, the studio, I think really was trying to be able to push it. And I will say that this is not, we, your sense of comparison that you have for this, I think goes right back to your comparison to Pixar and to uh, DreamWorks Studios, these massive studios that have um, hundreds, uh, if not maybe a couple thousand um, animators to take upon all, all of this to then go ahead and have this um three, 400 animator studio to take on. Um, they wanted to have a smaller uh, company to be able to get some clout to be able to build themselves up um, and not just have a major studio or out shop it to say like, 
Korea or Taiwan for uh, mass production mm-hmm. under slave wages uh, to be pushed for that. But I think that they did a fairly decent job um, compared to what they had there. Like I said, the dark themes that they had for there, um, each, each like they, they, the food wasn't all very basic. They all kind of had some little so, small parts of personality that they had for it. The humans were, yes, gross altogether, but I think that was supposed to be the point as they are supposed to be considered to be the monsters of this tale. Um, as, you know, we watch them devour and eat these living creatures uh, that have a life unless you get hit with bath salts and suddenly you can see, you know, break the fourth <laughs> wall. They, they actually say that in the movie when they say the bath salts actually break the fourth wall at the hmm. point for that. Um, so... I think like there were a couple times where I was impressed, and then there were also some times where I thought like they definitely went a little bit overboard. Like when as I, I, there's one major scene that I think really was like impressed and then grossed me out uh, was when um, uh, God I can't remember the name of the little sausage, Michael Sarah sausage. Oh, Barry. Uh, Barry. Uh, when he's running out on the street and he thinks he finds another sausage out there that turns out to just be a turd with corn in it. Yes. Um, but it like suddenly the corn suddenly like arise because you can see the dead the dead food products around and then like the corn is like suddenly some zombified thing that yeah. actually creeped me the fuck out. Till then it turns over to the used condom, which then I was extremely grossed out by. Yeah. Um, where things definitely got a little bit too much. Uh, I could say that yes, this is not Pixar level quality uh, animation, but I think comparably for what they did. I think that they did a pretty good job. I mean, it's not the it's not the the quality in the animation I'm speaking to. It's more the character design. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, I under, I understand what you're saying. The, the the humans are supposed to be the bad, the the monster, the antagonists of the movie, anyways. Right. Um, so I mean, and I, I think they were definitely I understand that going after some qualities of like trying to humanize food at points. Uh, like I said, try, trying to create that, like when you have Brenda and her bun boobs and buns at the point, or uh, their weird little legs and shoes. Uh, I mean, obviously Frank with his Mickey Mouse gloves. You well, know. And then the, what is it? The bagel's mouth is the hole in the bagel, which right. I think was that Chris, you were saying like, where does the hole go? Yes. <laughs> when he closes his mouth, where, where is the bagel? Is <laughs> <laughs> it a bagel anymore? <laughs> And turns into a donut, I guess. Donuts have holes. Do donuts you? have holes in it too, Doc. Not all donuts have holes. Yes, but okay, the donut no hole becomes. What, 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 what about separate. a Boston cream? Okay, we're off topic. Yeah. Cake donuts. <laughs> Boom. This movie inspires us to go off topic because it's so absurd. <laughs> uh, we're about we're about reached time to unmask, anyways. Um, and so yeah, let's uh, let's talk about how we how we really feel. Um, and Evan, you can go first. I think it's a fine movie. I think it's definitely got problems that we have for nowadays, but uh, I think compared to the leaked script, it's uh, not as bad as it was. And, you know, it definitely has <laughs> one or two humorous points. Okay. Uh, Casey. I'm not going to say it gets an award for anything, but, you know, watching it high, <laughs> probably pretty fun. It, pr- it might have won a Razzie. We can look it up. Um, he got nominated for awards Academy Awards did it really? yeah God. Um, Casey I fucking hate this movie (laughs) 
everything I said is exactly how I feel, including that the only time I laughed was the horseradish horse. <laughs> uh, Chris, first time viewer. Yeah, um, I did not enjoy this movie. Um, <laughs> I, I think I think you are pretty privileged to be in a position to get all of your friends to make a really long, not funny dick joke. Like that's that's a lot of money to pour into that. Um, I did think some of the things the things I enjoyed were like the extended like montages of like death to food. I thought that was pretty funny just because it turns like, you know, I mean, we've all thought about like, well, what happens if like they anthropomorphize these foods and then we're supposed to eat them? I've thought about that before. So the the graphicness of that I thought was was effective. But, you know, there was so much about this movie that just wasn't funny, especially viewing it like in today's world that, um, yeah, wasn't was not my favorite. Yeah. Um, are you talking about specific, when the flower explodes all over everybody and it's like this <laughs> Like there's, bomb went off war scene. Yeah, there's that. I and thought there's like that is one of the best parts of the movie. That's really good. Anyways. And then I thought the kitchen when yeah, um, kitchen the scene. other like when the the lady starts making food and it's just this extended like everything is like blood and gore and death. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was pretty funny because <laughs> it because that's that's like the kind of humor that takes something really familiar and turns it on its head, um, mm-hmm. as opposed to like playing in racial stereotypes and like oh, sausages look like dicks like that doesn't that doesn't take me very far yeah right uh, uh, yeah oh go ahead chris i love your letterbox review i would like to read it for the class <laughs> go ahead yeah read what it. i say well period i guess i have now seen this movie <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah. mine was along the lines of like Making a podcast with my friends was fun until I made myself yeah. have to rewatch this. <laughs> um, How do you feel, Robert? Yeah, this is one of the least. This is one of gotta be bottom three like theater going experiences I've ever had because for a few reasons. One, I thought this is the end was so good. I think that movie so holds up. It's so fun. The meta humor is great, and so my expectations for this were high because of that. Um, and I came in. And this movie was pretty much just an extended racial like exercise in racial stereotypes. And um, I thought that I was I was like I was like angry. I, I don't like walking out of movies, but this was maybe I was like, maybe it'll come around. Maybe it'll dovetail and something will fix and be good by the end. Um, and yeah, I didn't like throwing away the the like world of the movie at the end where they're just like, it's all a computer animation. And we're going to see Edward Norton. Like, I was like, what the fuck is this? Um, I don't know if that's like, was tee up, like, maybe we'll do a sequel or not, but. It was uh, actually. Yeah, I think there was plans for one. There is still plans for one. Please don't. Seth Rogen, if you ever hear this, please don't. Um, But that being said, I think there are a there are a few very creative, like, uses of you know what the uh, what they're doing with the with the food in this that like the horse the horse I agree the horseradish is one um the 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 flower exploding all over everything um i i enjoy the meta casting of Nick Kroll who has played a character the douche on Parks mm-hmm. and Rec playing a literal douche in this um and uh, we mentioned meatloaf which i really liked um 
which that was like the one time I laughed out loud in the theater was when Meatloaf comes in um, <laughs> and is singing what I, I wouldn't do anything for love. Um, but uh, I can maybe think of a couple other instances that I was like, oh, that's creative. But that was literally my inner monologue was just, well, that was creative. I still hate this. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So, I mean, we can we can and we can pretty much wrap it up there. But but yeah. Evan, I think you did a wonderful job. Yes. Uh, standing up you. to us. <laughs> Wait, did Evan unmask? Did I miss it? Yes, he thinks it's fine. Oh, okay. I missed um, it. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think that I literally just said it's good to get high to and watch once. That's about That's it. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think I think this. It seems like a movie that I would have expected to come out in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. that. This is nineties humor, and so. Like, it doesn't, I think the thing that we're looking for is that, yeah, this seems very outdated and horrible. (laughs) Like, it came out in the 90s, but, oh, it came out five years ago. And so that's, I think, one of the things is, like, we should, like, they, everyone should, everyone involved in this should have known better at that point, you know? Like, um, so, yeah, I don't know. That's everything. That's not everything I think about it, but we can talk more on the extended play. Um. And so, yeah, everybody, thanks. Thanks so much for listening. You know, your morbid curiosity. I hope it felt worth it. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're um, going to keep talking on our extended play, which is our post shows just for our Patreon um, supporters. So um, if you're interested in that, drink alongs, um, I guess, more, more talk of Sausage Party and other different better movies. Um, you can head over there, patreon.com slash 24flamespod. Help us help support the show as we head into season five. Um and if you got sausage, if you got thoughts on Sausage Party, um, you you don't have to send them to us, um, but you may at twenty four flamespod at gmail um, You can find us on social media and follow us at twenty four flamespod so you can see when new stuffs coming out um, and wherever you get your podcasts, whether that's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Good Pods, um, Podstick, um, Pod Toilet, uh, <laughs> Flush Pod. Um, cloud pod you know whatever blueberry blueberry exists that is real i think you made up about half of those yep i think so Um, (laughs) but you can go (laughs) leave a rating review and subscribe so you can get uh more episodes that are coming out we're changing some things up um in season five um and so yeah it's still still gonna be um pretty fun coming out regularly um but yeah introducing a new format half the time and so yeah we're looking forward to uh just roll, rolling on, keeping things rolling. Um, and so, yeah, everybody, this episode of 24 Flames Per Second is produced and hosted by me, Robert Spiewak. Um, it's co-hosted by Chris Pepper Hambrick. Um, and the panels this week on the defense was Evan Christopher and roasting was Casey, M- Casey Rama and myself. Um, our show music was composed and performed by Rob Jones and Will Paulson. And our networking co-op, Party Fish Media, it's produced by Quasi Phillips, Will Paulson, and me, um, everybody. And so, yeah, we've got um, the last few episodes here leading into our season four finale. we got some fun stuff planned. Um, the next couple of weeks are just Quasi, Will, and me um, as we're – it's a couple birthday episodes. Um, and also next week is kind of our 200th episode celebration as part of that too. Um, and so Quasi, Will, and I um, are talking about dope. 
um, which we're very excited to talk about. And so, um, yeah, that's coming up. And then um, Will's birthday's Big Fish, and we got a bunch of fun um, kind of throwback, looking back at four seasons um, for the season finale uh, at the end of the month. So should be excited for that. Long-time listeners, um, hopefully it should be a lot of fun. Um, and so, yeah, everybody, uh, look forward to catching you next week for dope and we will uh, we'll talk to you then thanks so much and bye 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 Party Fish Media acknowledges that it operates and records on indigenous Duwamish and Puget Sound Coast Salish land that is still home to the Duwamish tribe. This land is stolen in violation of the Point Elliott Treaty of 1855. We are committed to uplifting the name of these lands and community members from these nations who reside alongside us. For more information on this land, its people, or ways you can help, visit duwamishtribe.org or realrentduwamish.org.